Hi, and welcome to Failureology, a podcast about engineering failures. I'm your host, Nicole. And I'm Brian, and we're both from Calgary, Alberta. Welcome to our second mini-failure episode. We're bringing you engineering failures in bite-sized pieces. Make no mistake, though, these are still significant failures, but they either have a pretty straightforward cause, or there's not enough information for a full episode. Essentially, we have a list of failures we want to tell you about, but haven't been able to dig up enough information to cover a full episode. These episodes are just a failure, no news, and no ads for now, at least. It's like failureology light. This week's mini-failure is about the Walkie Talkie building in London, England. The building's located at 20 Fenchurch Street in the historic London Financial District. And the building got its name because, well, it looks like a walkie-talkie. So sometimes really, really cool buildings get built, and sometimes things get built that make you stop and think, hmm, I wonder how that got approved. Similar to the walkie-talkie building that looks a little bit odd, we have a building like that in Calgary. It's called The Hub, and the windows don't line up. They, when you look at the building, the windows don't run in a vertical line. They they almost do, and then every so many floors, they kind of offset either to the left or the right, and it's... It's very uh, painful to look at. It originally was supposed to line up and then someone said, hey, let's change that. And now we have uh, this building that's just really unfortunate. It's there. I really don't like it. Have you seen it, Brian? I have seen it and uh, it's actually really hard to miss. It, it It's kind of on top of this hill so you can see it from quite a ways away. And uh, the contrast that they've chosen for all the cladding panels, there's quite a bit of contrast between the cladding panels and the windows. So it's quite obvious that nothing lines up. And it's not just by a little bit. It's it's a pretty drastic misalignment. Yeah, and it, it yeah, it does kind of stand out. It's it's at a higher elevation and there's not a lot of tall buildings around it. So you can see it from a lot of vantage points around the city. In fact, I had to drive up to the northwest just yesterday and I had to see it very prominently displayed in front of my field of vision multiple times. And I was very upset about it because I don't want to look at it. Yeah. And it's uh, the cladding is red and white, I believe. And then the, the windows are, are fairly dark. They're almost a, they almost look like a black in there. They have a black outline. And I can't quite remember. But yeah, it's, it's quite visible and it's quite distracting and it's quite terribly done visually. It's really, really ugly. I, honestly, I, I would rather have the walkie talkie building. At least it looks kind of space agey although it still does look a little odd well we don't have a walkie-talkie building in calgary and that's probably good and we'll figure out why in a minute here in this episode <laughs> so the walkie-talkie building in london it's 160 meters tall and 38 stories and it opened in 2015 but it has a couple of problems some of which you may have heard about in fact it even won the carbuncle cup by building design magazine in 2015 for being the worst building of the year I feel is quite an accomplishment. So the building's biggest claim to fame is that it melted a car, which is... That's not good. It's not good, it, but it's almost impressive. It's so bad that it's impressive. And and it did this because the, the glass on the outside acts as a concave mirror, and it focuses the sun at a certain spot on the street to the south for about two hours a day. And that spot can reach temperatures of about 117 degrees Celsius, which is intense. So the car that it melted, the developers of the building ended up having to pay that car owner 946 pounds to repair the melted bodywork. It was quite ex- quite extensive. 
And around the same time, to prove a point, a reporter also fried an egg on the sidewalk from the solar glare from this building. That's very impressive. I know. I, it, that's what I mean. It's 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 awful and it should not be happening. And it's harmful, of course, but it's it's almost impressive that a building can fry an egg. Uh, but this is so bad that they've nicknamed it the Walkie Scorchy and the Fry Scraper. What excellent nicknames. Yes. Uh, but they were able to eventually correct it about a year later. So I believe they made these corrections in 2014. They added a permanent awning on the south side of the higher floors. That didn't prevent the sun reflecting, but it did stop that reflection from landing on the street to the south. One interesting thing is that the same architect designed another building in Vegas that had a similar problem. So this sounds like a repeat offender. <laughs> and they... They covered the glass on this building with a non-reflective film because, I mean, London isn't known for its sunshine, but Vegas certainly is. So like, apparently they did not learn their lesson. In order for the large commercial project to be built on the edge of a conservation area, developers promised the City of London a three-story sky garden that included full-height trees and a public access area, which sounds super cool. So free access is given to the sky garden in 90-minute slots until 6 p.m. local time to a roof with ferns and succulents, and then after 6 p.m., only paying customers can use the garden. Have you experienced that firsthand, Brian? Uh, I have experienced this firsthand, mostly the disappointment of having to pay after 6 o'clock to go look <laughs> at a bunch of plants. So um, I decided not to pay, and then I didn't go back the next day because I was grumpy about having to pay after 6 p.m. <laughs> so I've only seen pictures of the inside of it. But in municipal or, or you built up metropolitan areas like London where there's a lot of concrete and steel structures um, having the opportunity to you know kind of see some nature and some greenery it, it's a it's a really good thing I think to have and we have a couple of buildings here in Calgary that do have garden features within the building um, you know either on the ground floor or part way up the building and, and I do feel like it makes a big big difference it makes it a little bit less dreary in the winter and uh, yeah it's just it's nice to see some greenery when everything else is white and gray. So interestingly, this isn't an engineering failure, but part of the, the contract of the building for the Sky Garden that they had with the city, they didn't fulfill that part. So they uh, they negated um, planting the full-size trees in uh, inside of the building. There's just the ferns and the succulents. And also the, the John Hancock Tower in Boston that we covered in episode 18, that had a similar rooftop observation deck that was a requirement of the original building permit, but closed to the public following 9-11, except for private functions. Yeah, so if you if you remember that John Hancock episode, their their rooftop observation deck wasn't necessarily enclosed or or a full size trees or a garden, but I just thought it was an interesting similarity because that project also that observation deck was also a requirement from the original building permit, and uh, they ended up changing kind of the conditions of, of how that observation deck operated following nine eleven. They claimed it was a security issue, which. I think is valid, except they were still offering private functions, which kind of negates the the lack of access to the public. I mean, I think at least. So I, I just thought that was an interesting similarity, you know, that the the different the two different cities were having these public access spaces um, as part of the building code requirements, and then the builders were kind of finding loopholes around it. Yeah, that that is interesting, and I, I I do want to see more of these projects that do have um, kind of greenery incorporated into the building. Um, but certainly the public access piece of things, I think, is is a little tricky, just especially in commercial buildings for who has access to what parts of the building and where and when they they have that access. But I think they're they're on the right path with with trying to incorporate more 
more green development into the into vertical structures. Yeah, there's some projects around Calgary that have living walls or garden walls, which are really, really interesting. Um, it does become a bit tricky, though, because of our climate can get so so cold in the winter. So how do you kind of keep that space heated and not have your pipes freeze? And, and it, it, I mean, not that it's impossible. It's just a really interesting um, engineering problem to solve. Uh, I, I think it's also interesting, too, in Calgary, I believe if I remember this being this, you know, this is what I heard a few years ago. So I, I hope it's the same. But um, a few years ago, when you submit your project for development permit, so that's kind of pre pre building permit stages, you submit a, de- a development permit that says, I want to build this type of structure in this location. I want it to be this many stories, this many units, this much parking, et cetera, et cetera. And with the, along with that, you submit the expected construction cost of your project. And in Calgary, you're required, or at least you were required to spend 2% of your construction budget on some form of public art, which I think is why we have some of the more controversial and funky art around the city, because developers have to, they know that they have to put in some type of art project or art installation. And, you know, art is subjective and not everyone agrees with what they put in. So there's some, some interesting pieces that are quite controversial. I believe the blue ring by the airport qualifies. I know that one's quite controversial as well. The, I don't know what you'd call it, but the one by COP, I'm not sure if you've seen it, Brian, on the way out uh, to Banff. Yeah. So, so COP is Canada Olympic Park and they, it's a ski resort that's, I guess, within the city that was used for the 1988 Winter Olympics. And there's a, there's a public art installation on the way out to Banff um, on, on the Trans-Canada Highway. There's some rocks that are supported by essentially uh, some building girders is what it looks like. And, and that was fairly controversial for does it count as art or did it just look like discarded construction materials that somebody had erected on the side of the, on the side of the highway. I kind of really like that one. I don't really care so much for the blue ring. I'm not against it, but I just don't re- I'm indifferent, but I kind of like the one by COP. I think it's showing you the parts of construction that people don't always get to see, you know, being in mechanical engineering, most of my stuff that I'm working on is hidden. It's behind walls, it's in shafts, it's sometimes inside the floor, and you don't get to see that. Uh, and, you know, the structure is the same way. You don't get to see all the different beams and columns. I mean, for the most part, you don't. So I think it's kind of cool that that part of, that those building materials are used for that for that art piece. And, and I also think it's kind of cool that they're not really protected, that they are able to kind of, you know, weather over time I, I quite like that one. Yeah, it's a, it's a project that's growing on me over time. And I, I think the Blue Ring has as well. I still don't like the, the streetlights on the top of it. But all, all the public art projects, I think they've, uh, overall, they've enhanced the city. Yeah, agreed. All right, we've got on a little public art tangent here. but So let's get back to the walkie-talkie. It also has one more issue that's a little controversial, and that's that at street level, it does create some turbulent wind and act kind of like a wind tunnel, which I will say is pretty common for towers and high rises where, you know, you've got these big structures sticking out of the ground. And then, you know, the wind has to try to navigate its way through all these structures. And of course, as it goes around the building, it speeds up, which creates you know these these different wind tunnels. That's, that's definitely common. We have that in Calgary. If the building didn't have all these other other controversies this probably wouldn't have been as prevalent of a discussion point but you know once okay we've got the solar glare issue and now we've got the garden issue and they're like what else is wrong with it and they're just kind of yeah all, all these issues just kind of compounded 
in into this into this project. Yeah. So with the walkie-talkie specifically, a downdraft effect is created at the side of the building, and then as that flows around the corner, it accelerates, which is what they call a cornering effect. And the wind speed reaches up to eight meters per second and has been known to knock over pedestrians and cyclists. So, I mean, that is pretty extreme. I've never been knocked over by a wind tunnel in Calgary, personally. I've definitely been, you know, pushed a little bit or been uncomfortable walking through it, but I've never been knocked over. So, so I mean, it is a, it is a little bit extreme. So, there you have it. The walkie-talkie building in London, England. The building that can melt a car and knock over pedestrians. Thanks for listening to this mini failure episode. For our regular episodes, check out Failureology wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to chat with us, our Twitter handle is at Failureology. You can email us at thefailureologypodcast at gmail.com, or you can connect with us on LinkedIn. And there's links to all these in the show notes. Bye, everyone. Talk soon.